Jensen presents the Keith Lowell Jensen Show with Keith Lowell Jensen. Hey, here we are. The Keith Lowell Jensen presents the Keith. I can't even say the name of the show anymore. Jo- Joe, why did we go with so many Keith Lowell Jensen's? I mean, don't they get the point after one Keith Lowell Jensen? All right. This is uh, this is episode 28 of Keith Lowell Jensen presents the Keith Lowell Jensen Show with your host, Keith Lowell Jensen. That's me bringing you all the Keith Lowell Jensen-y goodness. Uh, how you doing, Joe? Good. Good? What, what are you ah. drinking there? I'm drinking some wine. Yeah, I could hear that you're sipping away there. Yeah. Uh, Thirsty. Did you have a good weekend? I did. I uh, I saved the ska this weekend. Did you do anything so worthwhile? No. Actually, I got poisoned by tequila on Friday night, so it kind of slowed my whole weekend down. <laughs> Does that mean you drank too much, or did something legitimately happen? Well, it was an accident. I was just hanging out and drinking, and a friend of mine handed me a shot, and I don't normally take shots, and I thought, well, that's fine, but it was like a two-and-a-half shot, and I didn't realize, and I drank ah. it. But, yeah, that makes for bad Saturdays. Didn't you also get accidentally drunk at a show recently? <laughs> oh, yeah. That was my first time in public. <laughs> You know, I forgot to, I forgot to eat. I'm sorry, man, but there's red flags going off everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> like, I got absolutely tanked again. Yeah. You remember uh, Aaron Carnes, one of our first guests. Uh, yeah. I think our second guest, he wrote uh, In Defense of Ska. Well, the book's come out now, and it's huge. He's sold over 4,000 copies already, and it just came out. And those are really big numbers for a small independent press. I mean, they're numbers like they haven't seen before. And they're the kind of nice. numbers that would look good for a big press. My my publisher, Skyhorse, is a, is a big publisher, and they would have been thrilled if I sold 4,000 books. I didn't. Um, <laughs> so he's doing readings everywhere, and I was lucky enough to get to host the Q&A uh, which I'm going to do again in Sacramento this Sunday, but but it was in Oakland last weekend. Cool. It ended up being a very emotional event just because for so many of us, it was our first like live public event. Uh, Dan Podhast uh, sang and he even teared up a little at the beginning. It was really, uh, it was something special. So it's, and then plus, you know, we saved the ska. That's, that's the important thing. Very good. Um, yeah. Uh, hey, our sponsor is Burley Beverages. We'll thank them real quick. Burleybeverages.com. They make artisanal gourmet soda syrups and old-timey shrubs. And uh, you can get 15% off your order at burleybeverages.com or at the Burley Tasting Room on Del Paso Boulevard, which is now called Burley Takeout. That's correct. And Yeah, I got it right for the first time. Uh, you, <laughs> you get that 15% off by using the discount code KLJRULES. Uh, spelled r-u-l-e-z and write that all in caps k-l-j rules um and they'll give you 15 percent off the good stuff and uh yeah they do they do have good stuff and as long as you're doing the uh the housekeeping here i'll also take a moment to say thank you to everyone who subscribes any new continents added to our list this week joe have you looked no we're, we're all on the same continents seems right. like we we have a steady group um I'd, I'd love it if they told their friends, you know, get especially their friends, their friends on the other continents. Yeah, that's right. I, <laughs> we're very underrepresented in Asia and Antarctica. We got none. Nothing in Antarctica. Come on, Antarctica, get hip. What's going on? I know. Uh, anyway, also, uh, but but if you subscribe, thank you. If you haven't subscribed, subscribe. That's like the best thing you can do for us. And the second best thing is to go and write a review. It helps the algorithms 
makes them put us in front of more people. All right. Hey, thanks for rapping with me, Joe. I'm going to introduce our guest this week, who I'm super excited about. Yeah, man. Cheers. Uh, cheers. Are you really? I <laughs> Excited or really going to introduce you? Well, um, we're both. Yeah. Yeah, I'm super excited. Danny <laughs> Reynoso, uh, I'm going to read his bio. I can always tell when someone just gets, you, uh, throws their bio together for this podcast as opposed to having it you know, ready on their website. Dan Reynoso is a husband, brother, educator, musician, TV show host, retired wrestler, and dog dad. Uh, and Danny Reynoso is also my friend, and we have had some adventures together. So, yes, I'm excited, excited to delve into those stories. How are you, Danny? <laughs> I'm doing great. I know you told me that I could pipe in whenever at the beginning, but I just felt like I was being rude interrupting you and Joe. But I love Aaron Carnes, and I love Burley Beverages. Okay, cool. And have you so read fan- In Defense of Ska yet? I haven't, but I'm so excited for him. You know, he I've known Aaron for gosh, decades through the music. Well, did you know scene. him because of Flat Planet or as a music journalist? As uh, uh, um, uh, as a musician. Right. I've known him as a musician. And so uh God, what was I forgot Flat the Planet first was band. his band that I knew of. Okay, yeah, there was that and then there was also uh there was a, a few other Oh Narboots. 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 Narboots, Narboots, Narboots. Anyway, but I've I've known him for for such a long time, and um, and then he's uh, he's also done interviews uh, with me and my bands, and I'm just so happy that you know it's it's so nice to you know see friends of mine succeed in in their in their creative endeavors, you know, like watching watching your your career take off. It's just it's so it's so fun to watch, and I love. I love uh, knowing that uh, Aaron's experienced so much success with his new book. You you, got to give it a read. It's uh, it's not strictly like like music journalism, which I enjoy sometimes, where you get just really you know deep dive into a genre, and and Mm -hmm. it has aspects of that. But it's also just got these really fun stories about being on the road with his Mm -hmm. band, talking about you know being deep in Texas and and ending up playing at this like electronic goth fest where every band is like two guys with keyboards. Yeah. <laughs> and for some reason, this like ska core band was booked on the show and you know, that kind of stuff is fun. To, and and yeah. the kids loving it. The kids coming up afterwards being like, what the heck was that? Like <laughs> we've never seen that before. <laughs> you know? um, so yeah, well, my, fa- that, my favorite, right. my favorite question, you know, I, I hate to, you know, you know, tear down the, the, the fourth wall here. But I, I, you know, when I received some questions uh, before doing the interview, my right. favorite one was the last question um, that you asked. I don't know if I, if I'm, am I at liberty to yeah. expose that part of your, it's been, do you, and the question was, have you had any run-ins with the law? <laughs> and my answer was, KLJ knows. Yes, I do. And Period. <laughs> that, and that is still my favorite story i i mean other than you know speeding tickets not coming to a, a a full stop um that is my favorite uh run in with the lost story and if There's we a, get to it great if not i'm okay i i sent you an advance to to approve the text i sent you some advance okay. uh text from my book a okay. while back. my book uh what i was arrested for has that story in it Oh my god! So, but oh, we'll, what a uh, night. 
Yeah, we'll 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 talk about that tonight. I'm sure if we're thinking about the same thing, I think we're thinking about the same thing. I know oh. we're thinking about the same thing. Okay. Here's the thing. Now, I don't I don't know if we can encapsulate everything that we did in a short period of time. I mean, really, it was like a year. Everything that 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 we did, I tell people these stories. No one believes it. No one <laughs> believes. No one believes any of the the uh, the grindhouse stories. The, the skits, and no one believes any of these stories that I tell them. I'm like, I swear, well, we're gonna, God's honest we're gonna truth, try what happened? We're going to try to convince them tonight. We'll have two okay. eyewitnesses. Right. But let me let me back up first, because I always like to okay. start with the origin story. And you okay. are such a fixture in Sacramento. You you are yeah. just part of the DNA of this town that I always assumed you started here. Is that true? Where did you grow up, Danny? I, I did. I grew up in uh, born and raised Sacramento, California. What neighborhood? I was born at Mercy Hospital. Okay. And uh, and uh, uh, grew up in South Sacramento. Cool. And and then moved all the way over to Hollywood Park, Sacramento. Yeah, you really moved up in the world. You moved what yeah, two miles yeah. north? Yeah, uh, two miles uh, north north uh, west. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what was what was Sacramento like in the, uh, well, I think we're about the same age. So you, your childhood yeah. in Sacramento would be in the seventies and eighties. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, well, I was, I was a late bloomer in terms of getting out of the house and, and being social. You know, I, I'm so, I'm so happy when I see that, you know, younger people get out to shows and they, they even know about the local comedy scene and the local music scene and the local so, art scene. Um, so what were I you doing? Start, uh, I, I stayed at home. I watched a lot of TV. And what'd you watch? Um, um, I was I was really into um, campy horror movies. Okay. Um, uh, I was into um, when I was a little little kid. When I was really young, um, I watched the Donnie and Marie show a lot. Oh, nice. Because that was on that was on Friday nights. So that was my that was my Friday night uh, thing. And then, you know, just uh, in high school, I started, um, I got involved in theater arts. I got, I got involved in theater and that was my, that was my uh, social outlet. And, um, and, you know, I pretty much just hung out and it wasn't until after high school that I started going out on my own and, and exploring the local music scene. Were you playing music though? Did you, did you already play an instrument when you were? No, I, I mean, I, I, in, I learned to play the opening guitar riff of Jesse's girl on the guitar in seventh grade. <laughs> Springfield classic. Yeah. in in seventh grade to impress Tammy Cox, who I had the biggest crush on and I played it for her and she didn't recognize the song and I was mortified and I put the, <laughs> and I put the, I put the guitar away for like four or five years. And I picked <laughs> it up again. It. I picked it up again, um, uh, uh, like pretty much right around the time I was graduating high school. I started playing chords again, but nothing, nothing really like playing in a band or doing anything like that. Did, did you listen to music a lot as a kid? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, the first uh, style of music I got into um, was pretty much based on uh, the American Graffiti soundtrack. Oh, which nice. was one of my favorite movies of all time, the American Graffiti soundtrack. And so naturally, when I heard the Ramones, it was like, OK, it's like the American Graffiti soundtrack on a lot of caffeine. Right. I like this. And so the Ramones were kind of my gateway into uh, louder, more aggressive music. And then 
And then when I started going to local shows, I started seeing these bands that were playing that style of music and like bands like the Lizards. And I was really drawn. That was like the Lizards, uh, the Knockoffs. Uh, those were bands that I was really drawn to. Uh, okay, so this would, be, this would be early 90s. Yes. Because I first got in just a tiny bit before that, so it was the same same guys, but playing in the Horny Mormons and Pound mm-hmm. Clown. Oh gosh! And, <laughs> and then, mean, they, then they morphed into the Lizards and not yeah, and, 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 you know, and just like and just like our our stories, um, when you tell people what Horny Mormons and what Pound and Clown shows were like, and and they won't they wouldn't believe you. They're like, there's right. no way a guy covered himself in shaving cream jumped over a mic stand and, you know, impaled themselves on it. Right. And like, yeah, that was just pretty much an average uh, Morning Mormon show. I saw the sea pigs in the basement of a church. It was like a, a vegan, you know, fundraising animal rights thing. And those jerks all went and bought like Big Macs on their way there so they could eat them on stage. Mm-hmm. And, and some some record company execs supposedly had come to check them out, and he was so yeah. obnoxious. We're in, you know we're a bunch of kids in the basement of a church, and he's there yeah. in a suit, and he walks up and stands like right in front of the singer, even though everyone else had left a big space, you know, presumably for the pit or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, he stands like he's in the band, you know, and yeah. like yeah, nodding yeah. his head, like not nodding his head like rocking out, but nodding his head like yes. Yes. And I, and I, I don't know all the yeah. I, I only know Jay, but but one yeah. of the guys that wasn't Jay walks over and just throws up all over the dude's leg. Um, <laughs> I was like, I just watched the Sea Pigs not get a record contract, and it was the most beautiful with, thing I've with, ever seen. Without um without uh, saying any names to protect the innocent. <laughs> um I work at the place where that show was held. Oh my God. You know, as I'm telling the story, that's I totally the, forgot. The, it was that's, in the basement. That's the, that is the social hall at the school that I worked at. You I are teach. a teacher at a Catholic school. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. And that, <laughs> and that, that show is notorious because I remember I wasn't at the show, but I remember hearing about the sea pig show at the place that I work at now. Uh, oh, their clothes came which off. I will, and... which, I, which I will not mention. But yeah. And, and uh, yeah, the sea pigs. I mean, that's another band. You know, that like you tell stories of what their shows were like, and people are like, oh, no, there's no way. There's no way. Right. So great. <laughs> but, those were, but those were the bands that, like, I, what, um, prior to that, my experience of seeing live music was like going to see U2 at the Cow Palace. Okay. Uh, going to see Yes or Rush. And, you know, I, I would and, love and, to see either of them. And, and, and then, but then, like, the first time I just, I vividly remember the first time. I saw the Horny Mormons and Gnar at um, nice. That was like my first real, real punk rock show at uh, at something that was called the Guild Coffee Shop, which it wasn't a okay. coffee shop at all. It was an abandoned room, and they had a coffee maker in there, and so they called it the coffee shop. <laughs> they weren't even selling coffee. There were maybe twelve people there, but I remember just being right there up front while the horny Mormons were playing while NAR was playing and just, they were playing on these tiny amps and it was raw, literally in your face. And right. 
that was, you know, people talk about the first time they saw the Ramones or the first time they saw the Clash or the Sex Pistols or any of these other bands that were like, you know, the foundations of punk rock. To me, it was seeing bands like the Horny Mormons, NAR, the Lizards, and the Knockoffs. That, that, that like, it broke down the wall for me as I was like, wow, I can do this. Right. I don't, I don't, I don't need to know more than three chords. I don't need to have a thousand dollar amplifier. I just need to have a lot of attitude and, and, uh, and a stick wouldn't hurt. You know, I, I talk about that with stand up comedy as well. I, when people ask how to get started, I say, well, you know, number one, just start going to open mics and they're like, Oh, mm-hmm. and sign up. And I was like, no, no, not even necessarily to sign up. Just go and see yeah. normal people do it. And that makes it accessible. That makes it something that you can do too, you know? And, uh, and how important it is to network. Yeah. And get, get to, to know, know the people uh, in the scene that are doing it. And, yeah. Right. And then ask them how, how you do it. And they'll tell you yeah. how the light works and, you know, who to talk to to get booked. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So one one thing that, it hasn't come up in your origin story that I want to ask about. When did you become a wrestling fan? When I was about five years old. So this was um, all your I, life. You loved yeah, wrestling. All my life. I, I've always loved wrestling. And I remember I grew up in a, you know, growing up in the seventies, this was before pay-per-views or anything of that nature. Right. My father, my father was a big boxing fan. And so oh, my dad I, too. And, and I, and, and you probably remember wide world of sports on ABC. Mm-hmm. I, I saw the thrill of my, victory and the agony, yeah, the of, agony defeat. of defeat. <laughs> when someone says that, we're all picturing the same thing. The, the dude eating shit on skis? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, he but kept I remember, falling for like a straight, oh, yeah, like two minutes, just boom, and boom, 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 boom. And, <laughs> I, but I remember as a kid growing up and seeing like Muhammad Ali, Leon Spinks, Sugar Ray Leonard. Uh, oh, Pacino it was a Quetta. golden age for it, boxing. It, yeah. And it's like, it was, so I grew up, seeing a square platform with ropes around it and thinking boxing, you know, my dad was a big boxing fan. And, right. And so I grew up. And then I remember a Saturday morning, I'm, you know, sitting there eating my 18 bowls of lucky charms <laughs> and uh, going back and forth between uh, uh, Bugs Bunny and three stooges and fat Albert. And then I scanning through the channels. Um, I see what I think is a boxing ring. And I see these two guys, but they're wearing, you know, in my five-year-old eyes, they're wearing black underwear and, <laughs> and they're not, there's no glove. They're, they're grabbing each other and throwing each other and rolling around. And I'm like, what the hell is this? This is so, and they're both black boots, black tights and just rolling around. And I'm just, I'm fascinated because I don't get it. It's not the same thing I've seen. It's not Muhammad Ali. It's not Sugar Ray Leonard. It's not Leon Spinks or... Or, or Ken Norton or anything. And then the next match comes on another guy with black tights and black boots comes out. And then, um, this guy comes trotting down the aisle and he's wearing a gold cape and a gold mask over his head <laughs> and gold tights. And he hops over the top rope and lands in the ring. And then he reaches under his chin, takes off his mask and he's got another mask on underneath. <laughs> Wait, so this is and Lucha. I, what were you watching that I, had Lucha? And I'm like, it was WWF. And it I was didn't Mil know Mas- they had it any masked wrestlers. It was uh, Mil Mascaras. He was the only one they ever brought in. He was oh, the only excellent. One. And, 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 and technically, Mil Mascaras was because there was, a, there was actually a, a rule through the New York State Athletic Commission that you could not wrestle in Madison Square Garden with a mask 
So mask wrestlers, when they came to Madison Square Garden, they had to wrestle without their mask. Neil Moskowitz was the first one that they waived that rule for. They're like, this guy's too big of a star. He can wear his mask. But Excellent. Um, and so I'm watching it, and I'm like, what the hell is this? This guy's jumping around. He's kicking them in the face. And my dad walks in, and I always tell my wrestling friends, he never said the F word, <laughs> which in wrestling is the word fake. Right. And my dad, my dad didn't come in and say, oh, this is fake. My dad came in and said, you know, they're not really fighting. And I'm like, what? And he's like, no, they're putting on a show for the people. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I went right back to watching it. I, I love that. And once my father broke it down that they're putting on a show, I was like, oh, I'm watching a show. Okay. And then I, I, and I think that played a huge part in my appreciation for wrestling and how I connected that to theater and live performance art and sketch comedy and um, improv. Um, so, I mean, I was hooked from five years old and I never, I never, I, you know, growing up in a Catholic family and in a, let me, let me, let me be more specific. Growing up in a Mexican Catholic family, right. I was never told, to, I was never, I never believed in Santa Claus. You know, I was that, I was that obnoxious kid that, Told Santa Claus, you're not real, you know. Oh, you jerk. Hell off. I was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I grew up in a household where there was uh, pictures of the Last Supper and Jesus and Mary all over the right. house. And so, and so, um, you know, I, 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 I was never, I never really bought into that, you know, you know, suspending your disbelief. You know, it's just like, okay, it's not real, but I can still appreciate I still appreciated Christmas. I still appreciated Santa Claus. Right. Uh, and so my father's saying that, you know, oh, this is, it's, they're putting on a show. I didn't care, you know, and I remember I watched wrestling all throughout when I was a kid and then even in high school. And then people say, oh, that stuff's fake. And that, I never bought into that. I never, it was just like, well, why yeah, do but, we, why do we do that with wrestling? Like, I've never heard anyone dismiss Star Wars because it's fake or no. dismiss or, or, or even or magic. Broadway. Or Broadway. Yeah, Broadway or Magicians, Disney. Like, uh, that's, yeah. You know, it's not real. Okay. <laughs> it's like, yeah, did, did anyone go to Hamilton and go, that's not Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> right. that's, not, that's not Aaron Burr. He didn't really shoot him. <laughs> that's so fake. No one does that. They go for the entertainment. They go for the music, the storytelling, the, the, the pageantry. And I right. think, I don't know if my father realized what a gift he gave me by just saying they're putting on a show for people. But I mean, that just at that young age, it opened up the world of wrestling and i looked at it, you know, I, I watched it just the way I did. I watched movies and three stooges. Like, you know, I know Mo didn't really poke curly in the, in the eyes with his fingers, but it was still funny to me. No, he did. That's you why know? they had to keep getting him. Curly. <laughs> That's why they had to bring in Shemp and all the other guys. Right. How, uh, when when did you, other than the one masked fighter that fought in uh, at the time WWF now WWE, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when did you get into lucha? Oddly enough, it was horror movies. Okay, um, I going to visit my cousins in uh, Woodlake, California. I remember um, they were watching the TV was on, and it was the Spanish Channel, which in Fresno there's like there were like five Spanish channels. In Sacramento, there was only one. Uh, but in Woodlake, there were more of a Spanish channel. 
Okay. Um, but I remember we visit them on the weekend and there was a, an old Santo movie on. Nice. And I was like, I'm like, oh, wrestling's on TV. There's a bunch of masked guys on. And then, oh, now there's these werewolves and these <laughs> vampire women and, and these sports cars. And wow, there's a love, there's a really awkward love scene where the guy's keeping his mask on. And then he's going to go fight these, these, these uh, vampire women. And then he's going to, and of course, he's got to finish by having uh, the championship match at the end. And then the police commissioner thanking him for saving the town. <laughs> with, all, with all the, the the plot lines and everything that get put into American wrestling, yeah, why don't we have dramatic movies like that here? They're so great. I don't. I don't. It's a different culture. The way America, in my opinion, the way America views wrestling is completely different than the way Mexico, Japan, definitely, and Canada, and now uh, Europe. Uh, yeah. The way that they view they view wrestling, I think for some reason in America we're just so obsessed with the whole it's fake or it's not real, it's not you know, and we don't we don't buy into that. No, it's an escape, it's entertainment, and right. uh, and you know we kind of have that you know with like Dwayne Johnson now going into movies and and John Cena going into movies, but it it was not it's not the same. It's like you're not seeing The Rock. And, you know, you're not seeing, you know, uh, the wrestler starring in the movie. It's just like right. the same guy who wrestled is also starring in this action movie. So it's completely different. like Lucha movies were like, okay, here's El Santo. He's, he's wrestling. Then he's going to fight. He's going to fight this mummy. And then he's going to fight these vampire women. Yeah, and then he's going to go back and wrestle. It's, it's El Santo in character as El Santo. Yeah. yeah. And then on top of that, he's going to like, uh, I, I tell people I was, I remember I remember I was wearing a Santo shirt and my mom saw it and she knew that I like wrestling. And she goes, Oh yeah, I met him once. Oh, wow. I'm like, what? He's your real father. Yeah. She's like, Oh yeah. And and so like the thing about Lucha Libre is that it was the only form of entertainment that went to the poorer towns. It went from everything from Mexico city to the poor little dirt towns. And my mom, um, both my mom and my dad come from a very come from very small towns in the state of Zacatecas in Mexico. Okay. And my my mom and her sisters and her brother they would all like travel into this one you know basically they'd get in a truck and they would drive down this road and there'd be like a big farm area and big open patch of land and there'd be a wrestling ring and some spotlights there and there'd be a wrestling <laughs> show. That and, so uh, awesome. And a bunch of you know farmers and you know, poor people or, you know, uh, and, uh, or hanging out there partying. And my mom didn't like wrestling, but she went just cause that was a social thing. You know, she didn't so much say it, but I know she went cause that's where the boys were. You know, so she went to go right. hang out and you know, go and, and go socialize and all that. And then she, uh, she tells me that, um, that Santo, that all these people were asking for autographs and she was there and Santo looked over to her ready to sign her autograph. She's like, Oh no, that's all right. I'm okay. So my mom, you know, the, the, the story that I get from my mom is that she turned down Santo for an autograph. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but, uh, but to me, that was always, um, I think the other thing that, to me, why Lucha Libre was so important was because being um, a first-generation uh, Mexican and being the fourth child, and by the time I came around, 
I was pretty much Americanized. I was I wasn't raised speaking Spanish, whereas my brothers and sisters were. You know, I was a I was a surprise. I was gonna say that I wasn't really planned on. I was after years after you, know, my parents had a had a daughter. A next a year later, they had another son. A year later, they had another son. Six years later, guess what? <laughs> and so by the time I came around, you know, the fam- the kids were all speaking English. So I was I was much more I was I I think I was raised much more Americanized. And I think that left me with a desire to attach, to find some sort of connection to, to my Mexican heritage. Sure. Yeah. And I, I felt like Lucha was the, the way to do it. I was like, all right, here's well, something I'm really Because it ties into. into something that you loved that was American. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it does. It's like, I loved wrestling and now here's my connection to, um, I don't know, for, for lack of a better phrase, he's being more Mexican. <laughs> so when did you decide you needed to jump in the ring? Um, I, I don't know what, what it was. I, um, well, I worked at this video store, um, which, you know, which is, uh, how I, how I met you. Uh, I worked at this video store that, that, uh, called Cinemania. Uh, Cinemania. And, yeah. And they, uh, they specialized in, in, uh, B movies and horror and sci-fi and, Wait, wait, wait. So you weren't already wrestling before you worked at Cinemania? No, no. I had Oh, the, I, I assumed had you the, had been at it for years. No, no. I had the wrestling character created through Cinemania. Okay. That, that, and um, but no, I, I hadn't been wrestling. And so what had happened was um, the owners of the video store basically there's there's warehouses where you can go buy these videotapes and then put them up for rent. And I had told them, I've always wanted to have the best wrestling selection in town. And they're like, right. okay, go ahead. And they pretty much gave me their card to buy all these wrestlers. So I made sure awesome. to have like the most impressive uh, wrestling video selection as well. And not just Lucha Libre movies, but like, you know, WrestleManias and, and all these other uh, uh, Starcades and all these other uh, wrestling events that were on video cassette. And um, at that time, I read a, a newspaper story in the B about a wrestling school in Sacramento, and I went to visit them. And uh, I don't know, I just got the vibe like when I went there, I'm like, uh, this place is about ready to close down. And it's, a pretty, <laughs> it's a pretty sketchy operation, and no, I'm not going to give you two thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then uh, and then I uh, I got involved with a. Uh, an organization I heard about this organization in San Francisco called incredibly strange wrestling. And, uh, and that's what I got involved with. And, and so I was untrained. And, uh, so my first time in a wrestling ring, I had no training whatsoever. And then, and I, and I wrestled for like a year untrained and not realizing how dangerous this would be because like the simplest move could be, you know, catastrophic if you don't know what you're doing. And then it was after, yeah, and it was after throw that. themselves around. It's yeah, 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 and that's not heavy a gymnastics, and it's not a trampoline. That, that right, it's not a trampoline. And then it was uh, during that time, as I was doing this incredibly strange wrestling, I found out that there was a a, a local independent organization going on, and I went to their shows, and I'm like, okay, what were they? Incredibly called? strange. Uh, they were called at the time. They were called Sacramento Pro Wrestling. S- you know, really that's right. And then, and then they moved to Supreme Pro Wrestling. Right. But I, I you know, 
I, you know, I'm wrestling in, 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 uh, in incredibly strange wrestling and there's like a thousand people packing the Fillmore. And then I go to this Sacramento pro wrestling and there's maybe 80 people sparsely, sparsely scattered inside the colonial theater. Uh, but to me, it just seems so much more real. I'm like, okay, this is nice. the real, this is like the, this is like the, the, instead of you two at the cow palace, this is the sea pigs in a church basement puking all over some record executive. <laughs> like this was real. This was like, and okay. This yeah. Is a it's world, pretty. This is a world that so many people, they, they don't know that it exists and there yeah. hasn't been the, the Ramones and the green day that, that burst through it to make people aware of it. Yeah. Um, and, and, you get little and peaks out it. Yeah. But, but the, groups like the Tracy Wrestling Federation, the Backyard Wrestlers, the you have everything from the, these maniac was, kids with a homemade rank in their backyard to shows like you're talking about at you know old movie and, theaters and such. And you know when uh, when you bring up Tracy Wrestling Federation, uh, now I think they're called Total Wrestling Federation. When I started training, I used to speak so highly of those kids doing that, and sure, I would get shut down. Like, oh, no, 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 you can't. Like, I'm like, but they're doing it. It's a, it they're doing it out of love. It's a passion oh, for this. They're it's so like awesome. They love doing it. And, and it's like, how could you not appreciate it? I, so I think the punk rocker in me loved what Tracy Wrestling Federation was doing. And I've always, um, uh, uh, the, 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 the main person behind all of that was a, a gentleman by the name of Jake. And I've always the, the had Jake. nothing... And I've always had just so much appreciation and admiration and respect for, for what he's done and, and the, the amount of heart and effort he put into, into, into wrestling. And he, and, and, just, he, and, he, and he would never be accepted and, and appreciated by the quote-unquote workers out there. Right. I love that he put the in front of his actual name and that just became his wrestling name. Mm-hmm. It was the Jake. Um, the Jake. Oh, and I love <laughs> Maybe that. my favorite I, wrestling name of all time. Yeah. Uh, Jake, so what's your wrestling name? The Jake. The Jake. Yeah. <laughs> I love Jake. Jake is a good guy. Good guy. So uh, I, I want to come back to wrestling because I want to ask you about a wrestler who you're heavily associated with. But first, and this is just <laughs> completely for myself here, I want to talk about, and I honestly think this is true, I want to talk about the hardest that I've laughed in my life ever. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I don't know if you remember this, but you and I were at Decades Costume Shop on Del Paso oh, Boulevard. And I, you had one I, of those little I fart, know where we're going. You had one of those little fart sound makers and it had a separate remote control. Yeah. And you put you put it in your pocket and you handed me the remote control. And some some girls, some like teenage girls are there, I think, shopping for prom dresses or something. Yeah. And you go over and you act like you're you know, looking at clothes right next to him, and I hit the button, and this fart noise comes out of you. This is really immature, silly stuff, but you made it art because you kept such a straight face. The girls all looked at you, and you turned and you said, "I'm very sorry," and you like told them what you had for breakfast, and you kept so straight face that I started cry laughing. I literally had to back into a rack of clothing. But I hit the button again and then you just went, oh, oh my god, I'm so sorry. I, they're not smelly though. If you notice, they're not smelly. It's 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 going to be okay. You realize, that, you realize the main reason I was doing that wasn't to impress them, but it was to impress you. 
<laughs> you need to know that. Me. I was crying. <laughs> My face was red. And I, you know, I mean, again, it's one of those things where it's like you can dedicate yourself to to mm-hmm. humor as art mm-hmm. and and wit and writing, uh, but you know, you and a fart machine still trumps <laughs> well, every bit right. of comedy I've ever seen. That's well, the at funniest. The, at, the, at the risk of turning this into a uh, blowing smoke up uh, Keith Will Jensen's uh, 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 skirt. Oh, that, that's what the show's here. all about. That, that's okay, already well, given. Yeah, how know, about it? That was, quite honestly, you know, I, like I said, the main reason I was doing that wasn't to make those girls laugh, but it was to impress you. <laughs> oh, good, because uh, those girls didn't laugh. They were disgusting. No, they didn't laugh at all. I'm sure they were disgusting. <laughs> yeah, I failed miserably. If even that was <laughs> No, but one of the things you talk, it's like, I, I always, you would have these ideas for these skits and these these um we would do these things where it's like okay we got i got this idea for this promotion for the video store or there we're going to do this this skit at this rave or i'm going to film this thing and <laughs> and uh and and like i would always say okay just tell me what to do and tell me what's my cue and i, I remember would, that i, that, that and was I, would always, I could always and count I, on you and i would i would just put 100 percent trust in you but in doing that it taught me to just don't be afraid. Just, right. you know, you, I always felt like you were so much more courageous than I was. Like I would always talk about doing something, you know, <laughs> comedic, you would actually do it. And, and to me, you helped me get over that hump, which I think greatly benefited me as a wrestler. Just throw caution to the wind. You might offend 90% of your audience, but 10% of your audience is going to remember this for the rest of their life because they're going to laugh. And here is a situation, the fart, the fart uh, machine, 66% of my audience hated that. Right. But that 33rd, that 33% loved it. And that's all hiding, that matters to me. Hiding in a rack so, of clothes, so, cry so, laughing. Yeah, to me, and 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 it, and and really think about what a lesson that was. It's like to me, that's what was more important. What was more important is like someone who I really wanted to impress is going to remember this, and it's going <laughs> to make them genuinely laugh at the expense of these two girls going, "Oh my god, I can't believe that this is disgusting," and and walking away. Who cares what they? Think? <laughs> and so, I mean, you really taught you really you really helped me uh, get over um, this hump of just like not giving a shit what anyone thinks just throw caution to the wind and see what happens it might be a success it might be a failure but to me that was so important in terms of learning the beauty of of improv the beauty of sketch and and in essence gave me a greater appreciation of professional wrestling I, i've got my daughter doing announcements over oh, like so okay. while you're talking okay. oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> like what's all this, this talk is, about farts dad this is this is uh this is always what i do when someone tries to compliment me or flatter me i'm like quick someone give me a distraction <laughs> i'm uncomfortable <laughs> no it's, it's just so it is it's funny to me to hear this because my impression of you at the time 
uh, one, I thought you were already wrestling like a long time when I met you. Yeah, no. And and you you did. You you struck me as as fearless. I mean, you also toured around the country in a van playing punk rock, which is something yeah, I never yeah. quite... I played in bands, but I never quite got to that level of bravado, yeah. <laughs> which I will forever respect and admire. Um, <laughs> but as long as we're, we're talking about projects that we did together, so you're working at the video store yeah. and... Uh, RJ and Lisa, yeah, the owners. Uh, I've I've had a falling out with Lisa. I won't say anything more about that. Me and RJ are still buddies. Um, we did a project together called the Tuesday Night Grindhouse, and the idea yeah. was that we would show these awesome horror movies, these hard to get films. We showed a Russ Meyer movie. I actually talked to Russ Meyer on the phone, which was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, oh God, we had William Lustick come to the theater with his movie Maniac. We had Jack Hill come to the theater. I mean, it was a really crazy thing. But the the signature of our show was these wild intermission shows, and we yeah. had girls wrestling in a pool of bl- fake blood. I stressed fake, so <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, a lot of masked wrestler action. I remember we showed She Devils on Wheels. It might. It was one of the first movies we showed, and we had a girl ride a live motorcycle through the theater mm-hmm. during intermission. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not no safety things in place. Somebody could have gotten up in the dark to get popcorn. I believe there was a. I believe there was a. Uh, there was also a Christmas themed Tuesday Night Grindhouse. With uh, right. yeah, so that, <laughs> that, that 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 that's a story I tell people. No one believes it. Okay, so you you hooked me up with your associate El Flaco Loco. How would you describe your uh, affiliation? Well, he was he, well, he wasn't he wasn't involved with the the uh, Christmas episode. Okay, so you were there and you were masked. No, no, no. You had um, you had dueling Santas. And and we and we used a, a actual gun with blanks, yes. which are really loud, like a real gun. We called the police department ahead of time. Yes. See, so you and I weren't thinking of the same story. No, no, no. Yeah. The, the, now, now you're on you're on board with then, the story. Then I'm we had a blood person. squib in the other Santa. Mm-hmm. That we had no way to power it, so we actually ran wire out the exit door and ran it off the battery of a truck that we had parked yeah. outside. Yeah, and this was the very <laughs> and 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 technically, this was the very first time I pulled the trigger on an actual handgun. And we had this crazy guy. I'm not going to say his name. He actually came to frighten me as me and Lisa had a falling out. He had this like almost cult like devotion to her, and I was worried he would come for me. I mean, yeah. But but he was also he worked at a gun shop. He knew all about gun safety. So he's the mm-hmm. one that got us the gun and the blanks and, and talked us through it all. Yeah. And the idea was that we hired we accidentally hired two Santas. We got our wires yeah. crossed, and yeah. I hired one Santa, and Cinemania hired the others. So we were going to let the Santas share, and the two Santas were like, "Hell no!" and they were going to fight. And both Santas, other. both Santas were supposedly inebriated. But this was not this was not the night that the SWAT team got called. No, 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 no. Okay, good. But, I was worried you were no, mixing no, the no. two stories. No, the up. SWAT team. The SWAT team was another story. But like, I tell the Santa story to people, no one <laughs> believes it. I tell the uh, she devils on wheels story, no one believes it. I tell the uh, the cinem- uh, I tell this the the story of the Cinemania wrestler versus the blockbuster kid. <laughs> um, no I one believed about that. no one no one believed it 
And then I tell people about the, um, uh, the mass wrestler driving a nail through his penis story. Okay. No one, and that one, absolutely so, no one believes it. I so honestly you, think the only people who believe that story are the people who were there, uh, you and myself. Let's, let's tell that story. So that was, okay. that was Flacco, right? Yes. Yes. He, we so, called him in for that one. And and here's what happened. I don't. I, I'm not sure if you knew the backstory to that or not. But there was a guy who would actually do that: drive a, a nail through his penis. This guy Scott yeah. Rogers, who now is this okay. like crazy libertarian nut job. Uh, at the Ooh. time, he was just some dude that owned a piercing shop and made piercing jewelry. Okay. And he and he backs out at the last minute because it's we're not taking it seriously enough, and we're making a spectacle of it, and it's not a joke. And before him, I had another guy booked who would paint with his own blood until he passed out. <laughs> and I didn't usually book actual freaks. It usually was us putting on a crazy show. Yeah, but I was acting like freaks. Yeah. We were showing, I think we were showing Fulci's zombie. Yeah, it was either, and, yeah, it was zombie. It was zombie. And, and I wanted some real, because Fulci was known for using actual, you know, animal parts and stuff. Like, I wanted some yeah. real. So mm-hmm. the, the blood guy. When he found out the band would be playing while he did it, he backs out. Yeah. Uh, because, again, it's not taking it seriously enough. And then the penis guy, it's not taking it seriously enough. And that's when you say, just let El Flaco Loco do it. And I'm like, would Flaco drive a nail through his penis? And you're like, well, a fake one. <laughs> exactly. So, so we load Flaco up with a huge fake penis in his shorts that's mm-hmm. wired to like, or, or like, plumbed to a pump yeah. in a bucket full of fake blood. Yeah. So I'll just plug that in and blood will come spraying out everywhere as the nail goes in. Uh, and then we're waiting for intermission. We have the biggest crowd we've ever had because we're showing Fulci's zombie, which doesn't hit the screen very much. There was a rumor that members of the band Rancid had showed up from Berkeley. Yeah. Um, it, which, by the way, was that true? I'm not sure. I do know that there was at least a hundred people in this theater though. It was, there was a lot of people there. So then my wife tells me, Keith, there's cops outside with their guns drawn. Yeah. And I laugh and she goes, I'm not kidding. And I'm like, what? So I go and I look through the little round hole in the old fashioned movie theater door, you know? Mm -hmm. And as soon as they see me in that hole, they really get, they go, come out now with your hands up. Come out now. You know, they're yeah. all flexing. And I'm like, oh, shit. So I go walking out. They on your knees. And I get on my knees. Hands behind your head. I put my hands behind my head. And the whole time, I've got, I don't know, 20 guns, a dozen to 20 cops with guns pointed yeah. at me on yeah. Stockton Boulevard. And I'm thinking, if a, if a car backfires, I'm dead. And their Absolutely. problem is Absolutely. that they've seen uh, – they've saw one guy going in with a fake gun. Yeah. And they saw Flacco who had peeked out and then – what I was told, that the reason that Flacco peeked out and then went back in, didn't come out when the cops demanded it. Hey, hang, on, hang on a second. Hang on a second. Hang on. Hey, Flacco? Yeah, it's Danny. Um, I'm going to send you a link right now. I'm, I'm sending you. No, 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 no. Hey, I, I know you're busy. I know you're busy. Uh, do you remember Keith Lowell Jensen? Yeah. Yeah, that guy. That guy. 
Um, I'm going to send you a link right now. Uh, just click the link. And um, this is amazing. And, We're getting Flacco be, on the show. And you'll be, he, he wants to talk about the, the time that, you know, the, the SWAT team story. Yeah, yeah, that. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, no, don't worry. Don't worry. I'll, I'll take care of payment and all that fun stuff. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. Always so, the bottom right, line. I'm sending you a link right now. All right. All right. Sorry, Keith. Uh, um, I just figured if we can get him here, that would be fantastic. I, you know, um, I didn't want to ask his, his perception of it. So, um, let me just, all right. Uh, Flacco, are you there yet? Hold on. Let me, let me. And send. All right. You are one noisy you, typer. Let me tell you I, I, well, I, I'm, I'm an old guy, so I type with two fingers. All right. right I'm um, picturing you have a, an old fashioned typewriter keyboard wired into your computer. All right. Um, all right, I sent it. Let me know when he. Uh, let me know when he pops up. Oh, oh! I think I see him. It's doing a health check. Whoa! Microphone Whoa. check. Hey, oh. hey, hello. A uh, Flacco, are you there? Hey, Keith. Flacco. You? So yes. So I was just telling the oh, audience. Oh my god! How have you been? Uh, who cares what you've been saying? How have you been? I haven't. I haven't talked to you in ages. I. You know, I've been avoiding you. Um, well, you know, we I, had some I, crazy times together, Flacco. We did. We had a lot of crazy times. We had a lot of crazy times. Okay. So, what are we talking about here? So, I'm on the ground. Yeah. The cops have guns pointed at my head, and they tell me that oh. you not only looked oh. through the window, but when they told you to come out, didn't. And I'm trying to explain that you're just well, a wrestler. You're wearing right. a mask because you're. And All right, what I was told was you didn't come out because you had a fake penis in your pants that was plumbed to a bucket of blood. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's back it up here. Let's back it up here. Uh, first, this was not a um, a sanctioned match. No, shall we say I was Most hired not. purely for entertainment purposes. Um, uh, at first, uh, I was told I would be driving a nail to my penis, which to me. Aside from my hands being uh, uh, registered as lethal weapons, the same as my penis. So I'm not going to drive a nail through my actual penis. Uh, so I was told there would be a backup plan. There would be a prosthetics penis uh, put in place. So I'm waiting for my cue. Because as I was told by my friend Danny, all you got to do with the keep is say, uh, what do you want me to do? What's my cue? And uh, sure. so he told me, He's going to give you the cue. You go out there, you drive a nail through this prosthetic penis. Blood's going to squirt all over the audience. You get your pay. You go home. Um, so I'm standing in the I'm standing in the uh, in the uh, lobby there. There was a there was a lovely young lady working the confessions. I'm not sure if you remember who it was. Oh, probably my wife or one of her sisters. We called them our yeah, all blonde arm. She was absolutely lovely. So can you imagine uh, the the what I was going through wearing a mask having a prosthetic penis sticking out of my pants while trying to um for lack of a better term flirt with the concession lady <laughs> not that if you've ever tried to flirt with with someone working the concessions with the process with about 12 inches of prosthetic penis sticking out of your pants not we very, all know not that gonna, experience right it's we've not gonna work it's not gonna work next thing I know I'm looking out I look out the window of the door right there at the Colonial Theater, and I see, I see uh, SWAT team members crawling up the, you know, on the on their hands and knees, crawling up the way, 
Oh and God. I opened the door to wonder what the hell. And I say, what the, and I don't even get the F word out as much as I want to. Guns get pulled up on me. I hear the, 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 the cocking of the trigger. Oh. And for, and for some stupid reason, the only thing I'm thinking of is I've got this fake penis sticking out of my pants. <laughs> I reach down, grab the penis, throw it across the way. It almost hits oh. this beautiful. It almost hits this beautiful young lady who's working. Oh possession. my god! She ducks as it flies out. Me not realizing that reaching down towards your waist and grabbing something was probably the worst thing to do. As right. team members are ready to shoot your face off. Um, oh they god. grab after after I throw the penis across the way. They grab me. They drag me outside. You they see these stories all the time where yeah. they later find out the person reached for a phone or yeah. the person. Re- God, I mean, I'm glad that you're alive. I'm glad that you lived. I am also, too. How I am great too. would it have been if on the news they were like, and it was a 12 well, well, I, now, now, I know that you've documented this in, in, in writing. Uh, but there's a couple of key points that I think we need to we need to address here. Number one, they they drag me over. They 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 put a gun to the back of my head uh, because apparently down the street there was a uh, there was a robbery. And the, oh, the bullshit! The per- I, I don't believe that for a second. They always say the, that this is what they said, and the person uh, committing the robbery was wearing a mask. And then someone right. called saying that there was someone in the theater wearing a mask, and so that's why they came there. And then I see you coming out. They grab you and just ragdoll you over to the wall, put a gun to the back of your head. And I'm not sure if you documented this, but this is something that I will always, I will always be there to the end of time. I will be there for you for this. When they told me that I needed to take off my mask, you said, you can't take his mask off. He's (laughs) a luchador. With guns pointed on, I don't know. Like, I don't know. If, I don't know. Him, if you unmask him around the corner. I do remember that. You don't I, unmask a luchador out in a well lit, you know, with a hundred people about to come out the door. This is with a gun to your head, people. Jensen, <laughs> you held true to the, the 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 honor of lucha libre. I don't take that lightly. El Flaco Loco does not take that lightly. Do, that do you know where this comes from? Even with a gun to your head, you said you cannot take his mask off. He's a luchador. You know where this and comes from? Where does this come from? I was an elementary school ventriloquist, man. And we have a similar code of ethics regarding our comedy partners. We don't call them dummies. We don't treat them like props. There are rules and there's honor. And I feel like it's the same with luchadors and their masks. You respect. Well, thank you. Thank you for equating me to a piece of felt that you got your hand up its ass. <laughs> You're similar in more ways than one. <laughs> but, but Keith Lowell Jensen, um, while I have you here, there's something I need, I do need to mention. I don't know if you realize this, but El Flaco Loco was inducted into Northern California Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame. That's is, so odd. Congratulations. That's fantastic. Well, th- thank you very much. Thank you very much. And, but you also need to know that the first person that I thank in my, one of the first people I thanked during my acceptance speech was Keith Lowell Jensen. And 
And I said, absolutely none of you know who this person is. But <laughs> I, I think, I, no, because it, we're talking, and I don't mean that as an insult. I'm talking about that. My audience was professional wrestlers, mm. independent wrestlers, and people there to support the independent wrestlers who were being inducted into the Hall of Fame. But I think... I thanked you. I said, you may not know who this person is, but he taught me so much about the art of performance. And, uh, I'm Between not you sure and Danny, if, I'm sure getting a lot of smoke blown up. Well, well, uh, well, well, uh, Keith Lowell Jensen, I'm not, I'm not sure if you realize that there is video footage out there and, uh, I'll figure out a way to get that to you of me thanking you at the hall of fame induction speech. Uh, that's, that's amazing. a number of years ago. But, thank but, thank uh, you for that. That well, is such an honor. Well, you taught me a lot about uh, you taught me a lot about driving a nail through my penis, <laughs> um, how to take a gun to the head, and uh, and more importantly, you just don't take the mask off a luchador. And, and here's the most important part of that story. Here's what really proves how badass we are. We still went in and did the show. We got things ironed out with the cops. That nail came out. That blood sprayed back to the fourth row. Because, Keith Lowell Jensen, this is the other thing that you know more than most wrestlers out there. The show must go on. For sure. After all was said and done, after you and I had been been, uh, just completely bamboozled by the Sacramento SWAT team, we went back in there. (laughs) We drove nailed through prosthetic penises and spewed blood over an unsuspecting crowd because God damn it. That's what they paid money. <laughs> hey, do you remember wrestling at a rave? I do. I do. I remember several things that you had me do. Uh, wrestling at a rave was probably one of my favorites. And we just popped uh, up the ring in the middle of the rave. Like no one knew what was going on. And all of a sudden there was a ring in the middle of the rave. Yeah. And we're, we're like, Oh no, you invited him. You can't invite him. El Flaco Loco and him don't get along. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was great. It was great. It, it made people uneasy, which is another thing that, that you, that, that I don't think that you realize what you, you've taught so many people. I know that you taught my friend Danny and you taught me this, that sometimes that my relationship with the whole rave culture was like, I love it. I actually loved the whole rave scene, but I thought you guys need a little less, good vibes and a little more uh, discomfort, a little more yeah. horror movie. In your and mix. I, and I think that's an important thing is that you brought that, you know, entertainment sometimes should be a little uncomfortable and it should For make sure. you really question what you're into. And, uh, <laughs> you know, those are things that, that, uh, that I really appreciated about you. So well, um, I was, I was always great working with you. All right. Well, listen, um, this Danny guy, uh, he only paid me 40 bucks. So I'm running out of time right now. I've had uh, more can, than $40 worth of your time. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you very much. I'm going to, I'm going to head out right now. I'm going to turn it over. Um, how do I log off this goddamn thing? I, Joe can log you out. My, my producer will, he'll click you off there. Is he All gone? right. Is he yes. Gone? Yes. Danny, you get awfully quiet when Flacco comes along. Is he a little intimidating or I, mean, I thought you I guys were bros. I, I don't think that guy is all there to be quite honest. <laughs> he kind of scares me, Keith. Um, I, it's one of these things where I'm nice to him because I'm afraid of him. Gotcha. So, gotcha. But uh, now, for some reason, all I know is that he is absolutely in love with you and he credits you with so much of his success. I don't know if you realize good. that, but the, the guy is, 
I, 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 was, no at, I was at that Hall of Fame induction speech and he made it a point. It's like, I've got to mention this guy. And um, that, that's the yeah. most flattering thing ever. Yeah. My friend Johnny Taylor performed for the Temple of Satan. Really? And the guy that introduced him said, uh, the next guy is Johnny Taylor. He's very funny. He tours with Keith Ol Jensen a lot, who I hate, but don't hold that against him. <laughs> next to that guy hating me at the Temple of Satan, El Flaco Loco thanking me when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame is probably my favorite name check ever. Oh, wow. Well, I'll, I'll have to see if we can find a... It's on a DVD somewhere. And so I'm sure it's uploaded on some YouTube channel somewhere, but uh, I'll find it. I know that he was really adamant about making sure to thank uh, the people who were there for him when he got, when he got his start. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, let's, uh, let's get dark then now. Let's, uh, Ooh, let's get to the okay. dramatic component. Um, right. You threw some awesome benefit shows that I had so much fun being a part of that were yes. uh, fuck, fuck cancer. Yes. And uh, the shows were incredible because oftentimes you were putting me in front of audiences that younger, uh, all ages punk audiences that maybe had never seen stand up comedy before. Or if they had, they thought it was kind of hokey. Like they'd never seen storytelling stand up. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it was, I was just telling my wife about it earlier when I told her I was going to have you on some of my favorite shows of all time, because I'm connecting with kids afterwards that were like, dude, I've never seen anything like what you do. And I was like, I was proud because I did do a good set, but I was also like their, their minds were blown more than I should have gotten credit for it. They just weren't familiar with the genre. I (laughs) As far as they knew I was it. And I was, I was happy to let them think that. Um, but how did those shows, those shows came about because your father passed away from cancer. Is that correct? Well, um, well, they, they were intensified because of my father, but, uh, they actually, um, they were started. I, I, I did my first, I did a birthday show at the old Capitol garage and it was just a free show and it was my birthday. And I'm like, I just want to have a bunch of my friends dance. play. And These shows always centered show. around your birthday, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. They always, it was my birthday. So it was my birthday bash. And so it was like the first one was just, I just want to have my friends dance play and let's just get together. I'm going to rent out the, the, the cafe, um, capital garage, I should say. And, um, we're just going to play. It's going to be a free show. Yada, yada. Um, and then before the next year came around, I was thinking, I'm going to do that again. Um, my friend Jay, Jay Onishkin, who was yes. in, in the sea pigs and in the lizards who, Really and in the horny Mormons. And in the horny Mormons who taught me so much about independent music in terms of this is how you put on a show and this is how you take care of the touring bands. And this is how you promote. And this is how you, I mean, he really, he, he taught me so much without even knowing it. But when I found out he was living in Japan and he had been diagnosed with cancer, I wanted to make it a benefit for him. And so the first two or three years that we did it, it was just a benefit where I would collect a couple hundred bucks and I would send it to him. Uh, oh, wow. PayPal or whatever I would send him. I would just send him the money. And, uh, and he beat cancer and it was great. And, um, but unfortunately, my father was also diagnosed with cancer. And so I was like, okay, now 
I'm a little more pissed off. Right. And, and my father lost his battle to cancer. And so it was always, uh, I'm going to raise money for the American Cancer Society. This is going to be my way of, uh, of uh, uh, therapy, of getting through this, of losing my okay. dad. And also celebrating um, one of the best gifts I've ever had, which was being a part of the local music scene and, and making some lifelong friends. And then being able to um, bring in like the year, I think the year that um, that I had you as one of the hosts was one of my favorite years ever because I had you host. I had a, a series of hosts, and and I I wanted you to do, I wanted you to do your thing, and um, and really just to expose this younger generation to this amazing art form. And um, it's always been a, um, a a bit of therapy for me. And uh, one of the best things about doing these cancer shows is uh, people coming up to me with their stories of, of people that they lost or battles that they've had. And, right. um, and to me, I'm like, I'm, I, I, I'm not worthy to hear these stories and to, and to be over that. But to me, it's, it's awesome because unfortunately, you know, cancer is something that has uh, affected so many people. And, um, and then it's a, it's something that, that unfortunately so many of us have in common. Right. And, uh, and so it's, it's, it's been, it's been therapy for me, but it's, uh, even, even in the pandemic last, uh, last November, I just did a, I did an online thing and, um, it was a zoom video deal and, uh, made t-shirts and we raised about $500 for the American Cancer Society. That's great. I'm I'm glad that you kept it going during the pandemic. That's yeah. awesome. How yeah. uh, how old was your dad when he passed away, Danny? My dad was uh, 81. Had he had an opportunity to see you play music, to see you wrestle, to appreciate <laughs> you as an artist? Um, he never he never saw me wrestle. Um, he saw me perform music before. Um, I think it was hard for my dad to see me get into music because he was worried that I was going to uh, 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 look at it toward as a career option. My dad would literally say, oh, mijo, you know, you got to be careful out there playing music. You know, like, they're going to try and give you la rifa. <laughs> and they did. He, he was right. He, he was right. Dad, they did, and it was amazing. It was such good. It was, it was, no, but his his big concern was that uh, I was going to get into marijuana. If I That's started great. playing music, but um, but I remember like um, for years and years, my dad when he'd see me loading up the car and going out to play shows, he'd be like, oh, you know. You have to start taking things seriously now, and you know you can't be sitting there playing music and smoking la rifa and whatnot. That's, that's so surprising but, to me, since yeah. you—I mean, as far as day jobs go, you yeah. became a teacher. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You but he was—I I think that was—I think there was a part of him that thought that I was going to quit my teach my day job and become a musician full time. And uh, yeah, but towards the towards the end, there it was a big thing when he just. I remember him like as uh, as he sees me loading up gear and heading out for another show, and I'm like, "Okay, here comes the you know you got to take it seriously." I was waiting for that speech, and he just says, "Hey, have a good time." Oh, that's great! And you know, it was just kind of like to me that was like 
hey, they're just putting on a show. Have right, a good time. Right. I'm like, the world opened up. I'm like, oh. And that meant everything to me. And uh, and uh, I started looking at music a little differently. I was like, yeah, you know what? I am going to have a good time. And I'm not going to not going to worry about people who are getting in the way of that. <laughs> and, uh, right. Yeah. So, it, but it was, I, I think that's one, one regret is that, um, I wish my dad would have seen me wrestle, but I think it would have been hard for him. He, he knew that you wrestled though. He did. He did. My mom knew I wrestled. My dad knew I wrestled. What did they I, think? They were just hoping it was a phase I was going through. <laughs> Especially hard for people to understand is if all they've seen is WWE. Yeah, well, and then or, or like, even or even the lucha would, stuff because you are well, a skinny, and, yeah. skinny guy. Yeah, and then um, but then like when my wrestler friends would come over and they would see them, you know, these guys are like six three, six four, and two hundred fifty <laughs> pounds. These are the guys tattoos. that are throwing their son around. Yeah, and and they're just like, oh my gosh. And my mom was like, Who, "Who's this monster?" You know, it's like we're this. I'm at five at five nine. I'm the second tallest person in my family, right. and uh, and this six foot three guy with a mohawk and tattoos comes walking into my walking into my house to pick me up for a show, and <laughs> you know, my mom's like, "Oh my god, who the hell is this?" <laughs> uh, can you? I'm going to challenge you here. Can you list? all the bands you've played in? Uh, gosh, I think the answer is yes to that. (laughs) (laughs) But there's been, but you know, but there's been bands that like, you know, I tried out for, there was a band. I wish I, I made it. I, I kind of sort of somewhat, um, tried out for the band, but I never made it in. I don't know if you're familiar with this band. They were a local band called the Ugly Sticks. <laughs> were you going to play remember drums were, for us? I don't know if it was. A, I don't remember if it was an audition or just a, a hangout. But I played drums. Uh, the Ugly Sticks came over to my house, and yeah, I had we, all the equipment set up, and I played drums. We, so I don't know if it was an audition or not, but I never passed we, that first show. We, we first were practice. trying desperately not to break up, but it wasn't in the cards. Oh, okay. so it wasn't my fault. It wasn't, it wasn't you. Oh. I mean, but I'll also say you apparently weren't good enough that you saved us. Either. <laughs> so maybe a little bit your fault. Fair no, 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 uh, no, no, fair enough. No, I, I'd say probably uh, altogether, maybe like 20 bands. 20 so what bands. are some of the highlights? I mean, the, the best one for a long time was the touring, secretions. Touring the world, touring the world uh, meeting people, um, getting to say Who that I, getting to say I played in uh, over, Gosh, I think over 35 states and about seven yes. countries. Um, who, who are you playing with now? Uh, right now, I'm currently playing with the Moans. That's the Moans. Uh, okay, the Moans is my current uh, my current main band, and then the Knockoffs are still playing. You are uh, every, you are playing with the Knockoffs. Great. I am. I am playing with the Knockoffs. Every now and then, um, I have a. A group of friends and I, we got together for a couple of uh, birthday shows and whatnot uh, to do a Talking Heads tribute band. Okay, wow, and that man, was I so much. It. That was so much fun. So we might consider doing that again. I have another uh, group of friends that I do a Violent Femmes tribute band with. 
And then uh, that sounds like so then, much fun. And then I have a a, a lounge lizard alter ego uh, named Gene Chowder, who <laughs> basically he sings uh, lounge versions of Ramones and Misfit songs. Nice. So, you know, I I've got this idea to do a nice version of the misfits like mm-hmm. uh, i got something to say i held your yeah. baby today doesn't matter much to me as long as he got sleep i got something to say i hugged your mother today you know doesn't matter much to me as long as she feels loved uh i think my favorite is uh i ain't no gosh darn son of a gun you better think about it baby baby uh, so if you're ever I love it. If you're ever looking it. for another project, I'd really like hey, to do a nice one. Right. Uh, I yeah, mean, a, a nice Misfits. A, a clean Misfits. There you go. Yeah, yeah but that's, that's what I'm doing now. And uh, I think it, I think that's enough to keep me busy. Um, what, three, three or four bands? Yeah, three or four bands. But they don't, you know, it's like, you know, I hate being one of those guys back in the day. But, you know, there was a time where, like, every weekend I was playing shows. For sure, and, um, yeah. And I think it would be really sad if I was still doing that. You know, I, that, the young people should be playing shows every weekend. Once, once shows open up again, it should be the young people doing that. I'm at the end of like, yeah, let's I'll, do a show once a month. I'll give Maybe. you that. But, but there's also, I'll say that with the caveat that there's a couple of those Kepi type exceptions that I hope just keep doing that forever. Yeah. Yeah, that's all it's I got not to say you and me. That. That's my comment. Yeah, <laughs> I love that some of these guys are still out there slugging it out. You know, four or five yeah. shows a week or more. That's yeah. great. Um, yeah. I, I just, okay. I, I just really excited with um, there's some, the the local music scene when it comes back. I know before everything shut down, there was a really strong local music scene. Um, of young people. And, uh, it was one of those things where like, I was so, I thought I would have a hard time going to shows and to the point where I was like, no one knows who I am. And I don't know who anyone is, but when that moment happened, I was so happy because (laughs) not, not just because the, the anonymity of it, but the, cause that doesn't matter to me, but, but what made me so happy about it was like, it's going to keep going. It's bigger than just one band. It's bigger than just one genre. It's like, you can't stop that machine from going. And it made me so happy to see like this whole new crop of young bands doing it better, doing it more often, traveling more than we ever did. It's like, that makes me so happy to see. Yeah, that's great. Um, so let me ask you about, uh, the other thing that's been keeping you busy lately, which is yeah. fighting a brain, fighting a brain tumor. Yeah, that's it. That's another little project you have going. How's that? <laughs> yeah, I, I figured I had some extra time, so why not get uh, a brain tumor? Um, sure. It, the, what happened was about uh, you know for the for the longest time I've been dealing with bad hearing, and I always equated that to um, you know just playing music without earplugs and makes sense. You know, yeah. you, you know, you've been in bands before and. And uh, practice where you have those, music, those those band members who feel like they have to be playing at performance volume, and I'm like, you right? Know, you don't have you don't have to have it cranked up that low. Oh, I can't I can't rock out if it's not, we're not rocking out. We're practicing, you idiot. 
And, <laughs> but like I would, I would be in bands where people are just cranking it up to 11. And I, so I always equated my bad hearing to that, but like the hearing was only in one year. And um, it had annoyed my wife to the point because like my hearing, I'd be like, what? Or I'd turn up the TV to, to 12. And, um, and so she said, you know, you got to go get your hearing checked so you can get ear, hearing aids. And uh, that was at the point, I was at the age where I'm like, I don't care about how I look. I'll wear hearing aids. It doesn't matter. And I went in, get my hearing checked, and they, uh, I just thought I blew out one of my eardrums. And they said, well, normally it would be both eardrums if it was, uh, you know, loud due to loud noise, but it's just one. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to send you in to get an MRI. Oh my goodness. I'm like, what? Okay. And, and, uh, being claustrophobic and getting shoved into a metal tube for an hour was, was an ordeal. And then, um, when I get my results, they tell me that I have uh, something called an acoustic neuroma or a vestibular schwannoma. All I know is that anything that ends in OMA, I'm not a big fan of. Yeah. Um, and uh, about and automatically, I'm, and my dad had already passed by this point. Automatically, I'm thinking, oh, wow, brain tumor. My dad died of a brain tumor. And, um, and I didn't know, I didn't know what an acoustic neuroma was or a vestibular schwannoma. And, um, and then I find out it's a benign tumor. And I'm thinking, Okay, so that means it's all right. They're like, no, a benign tumor can still grow and kill you. It's just not cancer. Oh I'm like, oh, okay. So oh, it doesn't see, matter. I didn't know that either. Some, yeah, saying something's benign or cancerous, that, that doesn't, no, benign, my tumor was, and so it could grow and it can grow to the point where it's causing pressure and be fatal. And so uh, it was one of these things where, like, okay, where it's at the size right now where we're still like uh, debating what to do. You know, you could either go in for surgery, you can either do uh, radiation treatment, or you can just wait and see. And so for a year or so, they said, we're going to wait and see because it's big, but it's not big to the point where we need to do anything. And then during to, to find out if it's growing, are they having to do MRIs on you over and over yeah, again? Yeah, I, oh, I, would go in, I would go in every six months for an MRI and they measure it. They go and did in that get every, any easier? Um. Uh, I would start, I would seriously play movies in my head or play a record in my head. So I would watch, uh, in my mind, I would play Pulp Fiction from beginning to end. Or, oh my goodness. Or uh, Ramones, It's Alive from beginning to end. I would just play that in my head. And uh, and they noticed, uh, after a few MRIs, they noticed that, okay, it's growing. Okay. It's growing. And um, so we need to do something. It's not growing to the point where we need to do surgery. Now, if they do surgery... This tumor, the tumor that this is, it's in, it's underneath all of these nerves that control my facial muscles and my hearing. So basically, if they went in to take this tumor out, um, they would destroy all those nerves. I would, I would basically, uh, half of my face would be drooping down. I would lose hearing and, um, you know, maybe through physical therapy, I can regain some of that muscle movement on my face, but. But it didn't get to that point. The, the other option was radiation. Uh, and so I went in for radiation treatment, which is not chemo. It, it's not chemotherapy, but uh, they basically strap you down to a table and this big thing just zaps you with radiation. I would go in for five sessions of that. And the, the whole uh, and purpose the of, idea it, of that, that it's super targeted. Yeah, it's extremely targeted. So it looks like this basically 
giant metal sunflower just rotating around the room, just zapping my face. And I don't feel anything, but the whole point of it is to stop the tumor from growing. And that's all they want. And they're like, and and how are you, how's your mental health during all this? I mean, it was bad. It was bad. I had, I had a, I had a web, I have a website. I have a website where I started doing video uh, blogs and I haven't done it in over a year. I haven't put in other video. But for a while there, I was posting video blogs regularly, and it was. I went through a, I went through a, a very dark point, um, where you know people can say, "Oh yeah, I was depressed." I don't say I'm depressed anymore because I know what real depression feels like, what it felt like, yeah. where I felt like, "What's the point?" and and uh, and I was scared. And, and it's when you're scared and you feel like you don't have any, uh, you don't have any control. You don't really have any say. And the only thing that's keeping you going is knowing um, how much you would hurt the people you love. Wow. If, if you know what I'm saying. No, I do. Um, yeah. And, um, and I've always thought I was, I always thought I went through depression until I really went through depression. And, um, the thing that got me through that, um, was guilt, um, because I would go to, um, the support groups for, uh, for acoustic neuromas. And, um, I really didn't, I wasn't getting anything out of it. I was just getting more and more depressed. And then I went to a support group, um, for brain cancer survivors, or it was just for brain tumor survivors. Uh, my okay. friend Liz, my friend Liz, who is the, you may know her, she was the drummer in Lucky Strike. Okay. I, and, I don't, and, but I know of and her. She, well, she's, she's a, uh, she's a, a brain cancer survivor. And, uh, she was the guest speaker at this brain tumor support group. And I went to this group and I felt guilty because here I was at my lowest point where I'm like, I'm quite honestly, I'm at the point where I'm like, what's the point? Why even keep going? If I'm eventually, if this is eventually going to take me out why why slow the process down let's just get this fucking over with i was at my lowest point and um and i go to the support group and then all of a sudden i'm looking around the room and there's these people who are fighting brain cancer and um there was a there was a guy there who had all these uh electrodes attached to his head and and i was looking around going I don't belong here. I don't have cancer. That's like, granted, my tumor's scary, but I don't have cancer. I'm not going through what these people are going through. And Liz, I told Liz, I, I don't belong here. And she told me why. And she asked me why. And I'm like, this is why I don't have cancer. You guys have cancer. You're going through so much more than I'm going through. And I started feeling embarrassed about how depressed I was. Right. After seeing what they were going through and the most beautiful thing Liz said to me, she's like, Dan, there's no such thing as a good brain tumor. And she said, you're one of us now. You're one of the cool kids. <laughs> and I swear to you know, and every time I think about that, I get teary eyed. I'm getting teary eyed right now thinking about what Liz said to me. And that was the most powerful. I mean, that was, that was one of those turning points in my life where like my, my, um, my attitude changed and 
and I felt so much support. So it was the brain tumor, there was the, the National Brain Tumor Society and that brain tumor support group that really helped get me through it. And, um, you know, it's like you get, you get through these very, very scary, dark points. And then you meet someone who's there and even in a darker point in your, in your eyes and you start feeling guilty about what you were telling yourself. Right. And, um, and it, you know, it really put things, put things in perspective for me. And, uh, and it, you know, I've had people come to me. It was like, I've had a number of friends, unfortunately have their own brain tumor stories and they've reached out to me asking for advice or support. And, um, and, um, one of the things that has been the most empowering thing is being there for other people and for supporting sure. them. And, uh, and, um, I just, you know, it, it's turned me, <laughs> it's turned me into a, 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 a fucking hippie. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and, in appreciating things, uh, okay. in a way that I, that I never took the time to appreciate. Um, yeah. Like, you know, before this, if I was on Twitter and I saw a post from Keith Lowell Jensen, I'd be like, ha, ah, that's funny. And I'd move on. Now I see a post from you on Twitter and I seriously, like, I take a deep breath and I'm like, ah, and I think about stories. I think about experiences I had with you. And I nice. think about, I think about those crazy grind houses and those skits right. and all that crazy stuff. And I'm just like, I'm so thankful I got to, I got to, that my path crossed with that guy. And there's wrestlers and other musicians and I'll have those same experiences. It turned, it's turned me into this like uber emotional, um, just thankful person. So that's great. The brain tumor, the brain tumor has really been as weird as it sounds, been one of the best things that's ever happened to me. But are you, are you, you're not like listening to the Grateful Dead or? No, God, no. I'm still listening. Oh, like one, oh, of, one of your questions is like, what are you listening to right now? My, my favorite album of, of 2021 uh, is the Ramones Road to Ruin. Came out in 1978. <laughs> Came out in Dude, 78. I got super into x-ray specs and wire in the last year. And, and the year before that, the germs. It's so funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have like, you, like the same. Have you heard of, have you heard of Bobby Ramone? No. Bobby Ramone. All right. Uh, after this, after we're done recording this, I want you to just, just look it up. All right. The, the whole premise of it is this French band. The premise of it was that Bob Marley meets the Ramones at CBGB. <laughs> and that's it. They recorded an entire <laughs> album. You think it's a joke. It's, it's one I of my can't favorite. Wait to hear it's, it. it's one of my favorite things to listen to. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, to, to close out our cheerful brain tumor section, <laughs> uh, where, uh, where are you at with it now? Um, well, the good news was my last, uh, my last two MRIs have shown um, uh, shrinkage of okay. the tumor. So uh, this is one of those times when guys our age are happy about shrinkage. Right. And, uh, and, and are they <laughs> just going to keep zapping it or – uh, no, no. I only went through five sessions uh, about four years ago. Five sessions of, of, of radiation, and then it's okay. just to see to see how uh, how it's uh, the effect it's had, and it stopped it from growing. And now they're starting to see that it's shrinking a little bit. So um, that's great. So I, I just keep going. I just keep going. Will continue. 
Yeah, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. If it, and if it becomes and and I've gotten to the point now after everything I've been through with uh, dealing with depression and then finding support through uh, the uh, the brain cancer survivors and then becoming a fucking hippie because of all of this. <laughs> um, I'm I'm really at peace with knowing that like if it gets to the point where I have to go in for surgery. And they have to carve my head up and I, you know, I lose my facial muscles and, and all hearing and all that. Oh, well, I would still appreciate everything that's happened in my life. And I'll still go on living. Um, it helps that you already got the hot wife. <laughs> that helps. That helps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I did get that. I get. I, I got the hot Italian wife before I got the brain tumor. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. If your face is hanging off your skull, Danny, you're not going to be doing that. Yeah, well yeah. That's, that's not going to be. Not going to be. Not going to be going to the Tinder anytime soon. That's some <laughs> swipe left action right there. Yeah, I have no idea what that means, even. This, this guy looks good, but why are all his pictures like so heavily lit from one side? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Danny, always, always awesome talking with you. And it's, I, and it's lovely hearing I, you doing so well. I miss you. And I'm so happy. I'm so happy with, uh, with all the success you've had, Keith. And, uh, like I said, you're, uh, I, I, I'm serious when I say, when I, when I see things that you post on, on Twitter and on social media, I, I, uh, a, a smile comes to my face, even if what you're posting isn't funny. <laughs> it always is. It always, no, no, but uh, small comes to my face, and I'm just like, God damn, that was a that was a really good person to run into. That's great, man. I and I feel the same. Uh, I I heard that that rave the rave scene is coming back again, and I oh god, I don't know. I think I think we should go wrestle. Well, I think Flacco's uh, hard up for work. I think he'll work for cheap. Uh, it'd be we should have you fight Flacco. That's something. That oh God, that would be now that would time. be something to see. <laughs> that would be a show. That would be a show. Thank you so much for uh, for talking with me, Danny, uh, and uh, thank you to our listeners. I have been your host. Oh, you know what? No, I can't move into the credits, Danny. Where can we find you online? Where can we find the moans? Where can uh, we find uh, the stuff? Well, uh, the moans are on. Uh, Instagram, uh, go to Mo, uh, the moans nine one six two oh nine. So we got the nine one six from Sacramento and two oh nine from Stockton. Uh, I also have a website, uh, braintumorfighters.com. Nice, and that'll that'll take you to all my personal social media and all that fun stuff. All right, and maybe Joe can go steal some music from the moans and play it on. Uh, I would love that. These I would credits. love that. I would love that. Uh, all right. So I've been your host, Keith Lowell Jensen. My producer is Joe Honor. Our art is done by Joe Honor. Our editor and audio engineer is Jack Matrenga. Joe and Jack are with Hyperpixel, a production company with a focus on digital marketing and e-commerce, offering daily management of your website, social media accounts, and digital marketing campaigns. Our theme song was done by the great DJ Reel. And uh, once again, thanks to our sponsor, Burley Beverages. Go check them out at burleybeverages.com. KLJ Rules will get you 15% off. And listen, if you haven't already, I implore you, go watch my comedy special, Not For Rehire. You can see it for free on Amazon Prime. And I hear it's all over the Roku now. Um, And I have a book called Punching Nazis and Other Good Ideas. Quick, go read it before my next book comes out. My next book... uh, what I was arrested for comes out 
uh, <laughs> supposedly by the holidays and features the story of me and El Flaco Loco uh, getting shaken down by the Sacramento <laughs> Emergency <laughs> Services. Uh, subscribe, review, tell a friend. Uh, and one last time, thank you so much, Danny Reynoso. Good night. I love you, brother.